0: Amen. Guess what we're going to talk about today? (laughs) I use the word resolve, but when it comes down to it, I will not be moved. I may fall down, I may stumble, I may make mistakes, but I will not be moved. Jesus said in Luke 9, 51, as the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So I want to ask you, as we talk about this today, as we talk about resolve, as we talk about not being moved As we talk about where we stand, what is your face set on? You're going, what? What's my face set on? What is your face set on? Ronnie Lott, his face was set on playing professional football. He was a former San Francisco 40, or he is a former San Francisco 49ers cornerback. In 1986, he had the tip of his injured left pinky removed so that he wouldn't have to worry about hurting it again in the future. Now, the procedure was done during the off-season, and, and it was removed about, about a half-inch worth of flesh from the end of his pinky finger. But within a few years of that time, the story had been stretched and spun to the point that you would have thought he'd cut it off himself at halftime and duct-taped it up and went back to play football. Ronnie Lott says in in an interview in 2000 with the San Francisco Chronicle, he says, to me, it's kind of like one of those Paul Bunyan stories. He says, it's weird because it's gotten so big. And then when people ask me, would you do it all over again? Yes. Yes, I would do it all over again. He says, the only thing that worries him is his kids look at it. Probably like that. And he says, it's hard for them to understand. They just can't conceptualize losing your finger to play football. They really, truly don't understand. But nothing was going to stop him. Chuck Bednarik is another one. His face was on staying in the game. He was called Concrete Charlie, and not just because he sold concrete part-time as an NFL player, but a little bit of history on Chuck. Growing up in the steel town of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, first off, he never backed down from a fight. During World War II, he flew combat missions as a gunner in a B-24 bomber. And in 1960, late in his 14-year career with the Philadelphia Eagles, he played both ways at center and linebacker and led his team to an NFL title. Now, at 78, the Pro Football Hall of Famer recalls missing a game when he was at the University of Pennsylvania. He says, I had a cracked rib which punctured my lung, and he missed a game. But in the NFL, he only missed three games out of 172 regular season games. None of them was his worst injury, though like the torn bicep in his right arm. He tore his bicep so badly in one game, and he says they just pushed it up and taped it. And he went back out, and he kept playing. He says in the interview, there's a little dent above where the attachment was. Nothing was going to stop him. Carrie Strug, some of you may remember her. Her face was set on winning a gold medal. And in 1996, the Olympics in Atlanta, she helped the women to the team title She took her second vault despite a severe ankle injury that she sustained on her first attempt. As it turned out, later we find out that the U.S. women would have won the gold without her second try. But she didn't know that. And despite despite the pain, she stuck the landing. Nothing was going to stop her. One other one. Someone named Terry Fox. His face was set on finding a cure for cancer. You see, Terry was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba and raised in British Columbia in a community near Vancouver on Canada's west coast. He was an active teenager. He was involved in many sports and he was only 18 years old when he came when he was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma, bone cancer. And he was forced to have his right leg amputated 6 inches above the knee in 1977. While he was in the hospital though, he was so overcome by the suffering of other cancer patients, many of them young children. He decided that he was going to run across Canada to raise money for cancer research. The night before his, op- his, uh, his operation, where they were going to amputate his leg, his high school basketball coach came in. His name was Terry Fleming. He brought Terry um, a running magazine, which featured a man and an article about an amputee named Dick Trom, who had just run in the New York City Marathon. And though his future was never more precarious, Terry dreamed that night about running across Canada. I'm competitive, he said. I'm a dreamer. I like challenges. I don't give up. And when I decided to do it, I knew I was going to go all out. There was no in between. The 16 months of follow-up treatment marked Terry irreversibly. He saw suffering as he'd never seen it before. He heard doctors telling younger kids in nearby beds they had a 15% chance to live. He heard screams of pain. He saw strong young bodies wasted by disease. He never forgot what he'd seen when he left the cancer clinic for the last time. And he left with a burden of responsibility. He considered himself among the lucky one-third of the patients who survived. He says, I could not leave knowing these faces and feelings would still exist even though I would be set free from mine. He wrote in a letter and he asked people for sponsorship of his run. Somewhere the hurting must stop and I was determined to take myself to the limit for those causes. He would call his journey the Marathon of Hope. And after 18 months of running over 3,107 miles just to prepare for it, he started his run in St. John's, Newfoundland on April 12, 1980, with little fanfare. It was difficult to garner attention in the beginning. Enthusiasm soon began to grow, though. and, And the money collected along the way on his route began to grow as well. He ran an average of 26 miles a day through Canada's Atlantic provinces, Quebec and Ontario... It was a journey that Canadians never forgot. However, on September 1st, after 143 days and 3,339 miles, Terry was forced to stop running just outside of Thunder Bay, Ontario, because cancer had appeared in his lungs. On September 1st, 1980, it was a dull day in northern Ontario. He began uh, when he he was running his last miles. He started out strong that morning. He started to feel, he felt very confident. The road was lined with people shouting, don't give up, you can make it. Words that spurred him on and lifted his spirits. But after 18 miles, he started coughing and he felt pain in his chest and he knew how to cope with pain. He'd done it before. He said he, he'd just run and, and run the pain out. That's what he'd always done. And he simply kept going. An entire nation was stunned and saddened on June 28, 1981 at age 22. Terry passed away. The heroic Canadian was gone, but his legacy was just beginning. To date, more than $400 million has been raised worldwide for cancer research in his name through the annual Terry Fox Run held across Canada and around the world. Nothing was going to stop him. Nothing was going to stop the other folks that I spoke about. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you again just that we can be here Lord, I pray that as we we look at what it is to to be resolute, to set our face to something, that we would resolve to let nothing stop us from serving you and from honoring you with our lives. Amen. So what is your face set on? In Luke 9, we see Jesus getting ready for the last phase of his ministry. As a matter of fact, in Luke 9, 51... I read, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Here's a more literal translation of that verse. It said, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face on Jerusalem. Why? Because he had a clear goal in mind. As he headed for Jerusalem, his goal was twofold. It was to die for the sins of humankind and then go to heaven to prepare a place for all who put their faith in him. That's what was in Jerusalem for Jesus. What is your face set on? Losing 20 pounds? Exercising every day? Starting piano lessons? Getting out of debt? Getting into college? Working more? Working less? Buying a boat? Buying a house? Reading a book? Fixing your relationship with your spouse? Fixing your relationship with God? Eating with sinners? What is your faith set on? My face is set on getting to heaven and taking as many people with me as possible. Jesus' face was set on a cross on a hill at the edge of town and nothing was gonna stop him from fulfilling his mission and nothing will stop us from reaching lost people if we are as resolved as Jesus was to reach them. You see, if your face is set on reaching as many people as you can for Jesus, there are two things you need to do. The first one, We need to resolve to love more. I know you're thinking, well, I'm a Christian. I love everybody. Seriously, we need to resolve to love more, okay? We need to resolve to love more. Jesus sent messengers ahead to a village in Samaria to arrange for lodging. But the people there, they didn't welcome him because he and his disciples were heading for Jerusalem. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along and they hadn't gotten along for quite some time. And we know from John's account... John 7 verses 1 through 10, that Jesus was going to be in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. Since he was in Galilee at this time, he and a multitude of other pilgrims, so to speak, were on their way to this feast. We're going to have to pass through Samaria to get to Jerusalem in the south. Samaritans resented their country being used as a highway to the feasts. So this opposition to Christ was not a surprise. But the Samaritans didn't realize the blessings they missed by not receiving Christ into their village. And let me tell you, his disciples were ticked off at this. They were upset about the Samaritan rejection. Luke 9.54 reads this: When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Whoa, fire from heaven. (laughs) Is there nothing less severe that they could have done? I, I mean, I know they were angry, but you know, give them a break. Did they have to suggest such a strong action of fire from heaven? I could have voted for calling down a long rainstorm, maybe, or hail, or dove poo, or even a deluge of Justin Bieber CDs and make them listen to them. (laughs) Heaven knows that would have been terrible enough. (laughs) But that wouldn't have pleased the disciples because they wanted the Samaritans dead. But they didn't just want them dead, they wanted these Samaritans to suffer. They wanted them to suffer. They wanted them to burn, which is bizarre in light of what Jesus wanted for these people. Were they not listening when Jesus said, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. You see, Jesus wanted these Samaritans and all sinners to live, not die. And so he rebukes his disciples. He loves these people. He doesn't want them to die. He doesn't want you to die. We have to realize a couple of things. First off, people aren't obstacles. You see, the disciples saw the Samaritans just as obstacles that needed to be removed. The disciples saw the Samaritans as something that was in their way of getting to Jerusalem. And so their, their wisdom was, let's call down fire on them. No, that's not how Jesus works. The other thing we need to realize, people are not obstacles, but they're also not dispensable. Jesus didn't want them to be disposed of. He wanted them to be saved. He wanted them to be saved because he loved them. So what can we do to show our love for lost people? A couple of things. Be prayerful for them. We need to be prayerful for people. We need to be patient with lost people. We need to be present for lost people. And we need to be persistent for lost people. Because if we don't, who will? I have another story. It's about a 12-year-old boy named Lauren Dilworth. He's from Benson, Utah. And he was pinned to the bottom of a pond by the front axle of his family's minivan. He and his brothers, uh, Spencer and Lance, were on their way to pick up some camping supplies... When their van slid off the road at a sharp curve, rolled into a pond, he was tossed out and he was pinned under the vehicle. Spencer, one of his brothers, tried to move the front axle while the other one on the road and tried to flag down somebody for help. A man named Kelly Nagel, who was 31, noticed them, stopped and he jumps in. It says, Nagel had recently had back surgery but he didn't let that stop him. And he lifted the van and Spencer scooped his little brother out. He took a breath and he survived. Kelly Nagel said this, I just hope someone would do the same thing for me and my own family. Kelly Nagel had already, before that incident, resolved to love more. That's what we need to do. We need to resolve to love more. And we need to resolve to sacrifice more. You see, Jesus was resolved to sacrifice his life to show his love for people. And he expected his disciples to sacrifice too. And when we fast forward a little over 2,000 years and, and I can say the same thing. Jesus was resolved to sacrifice his life and he expects us to sacrifice too. In Luke 9, verses 57 through 62, here's what the Bible says. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said, verse 59, to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. Now, I want to make something clear that may not be clear to you right now from this passage. What you need to understand about these people is they were making excuses for why they weren't willing to sacrifice for Jesus. Uh, The first one, he says, let me go bury my father. If his father had already been dead or had just recently died, he would have been busy making the funeral arrangements at that time. But What this man is really saying is, I'll come and follow you after my father dies, which could be many years from that point. In his response, Jesus says, let the spiritually dead worry about burying the physically dead. The next one says, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, does Jesus hate families? No, he does not hate families. But let me give you a more literal translation of that verse as well. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Now, he may have just been telling Jesus he wants to run home and say goodbye to his friends, but either way, whether he wants to go home and say goodbye to his family and his friends... Jesus is teaching us this. Once we make a commitment to follow Him, we must not let anything get in the way. I want you to make it your goal to reach as many people as you can for Christ, to eat with as many sinners, but I also want you to understand it's going to take sacrifice on your part to reach that goal. I know that seems lofty, and some of you are like, I'm not even sure I want to talk to sinners, let alone sit down and spend time eating with them. But listen, we're going to face obstacles on our way to Jerusalem. Especially on our way to our Jerusalem. Yes, I said your Jerusalem as well. Because I think we all have a Jerusalem, if you will. We all have one, that place that God plans for us to go. Just like he had Jesus from the very beginning set up to go to Jerusalem to offer himself as a sacrifice for us so that he could then go into heaven and prepare a place for us We all have a Jerusalem, a place God plans for us to go, our destiny, if you will, a place of extraordinary service and sacrifice, a higher purpose for which we're placed on this planet, not just to take up space in a building on Sundays. I don't know where your Jerusalem is. It may be across the street, it may be across the Pacific Ocean. Your Jerusalem may be your most annoying neighbor. It may be riding the third exercise bike down to your right at the gym. Your Jerusalem may be a family reunion that you just don't want to go to. Maybe your Jerusalem is the pub on the corner where you know you need to go and love on somebody. It may be sleeping quietly in your kid's room at the end of the hall. That may be your Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem may work three cubicles down from you. They may have AIDS. Your Jerusalem may even be receiving divorce papers that you serve them today. Maybe it's your best friend that you just haven't shared Jesus with. Maybe your Jerusalem is your worst enemy, the person that you want to call down fire on. Send him a Justin Bieber CD instead. (laughs) You have a talking point at least. (laughs) Your Jerusalem may be a place of indescribable joy or it may be a place of unbelievable suffering. I don't know. Let me be very clear though. Our goal may not be very much fun the place that god is calling you to be may not be a place of comfort but it's a place of need it's a place where you need to go and meet something for jesus jerusalem meant death but he was resolved to get there because it meant life for us what are you resolved to what is your face set on what are you willing to sacrifice to reach your goal I'm resolved to reach lost people for Jesus. I'm somewhat obsessed with it. I I drive Mitzi crazy sometimes because I'm consumed with it. And I want you all to be consumed with it too. I think we should all be consumed with reaching lost people for Jesus. Uh, When we first moved here, everywhere I went I had business cards. And every time I met somebody, I was like, hey, I'm the new youth and family minister at Huntsville Christian Church. She says, you know, you can only use that for about a year. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) I used it for that year everywhere I went because I figured the, the first year you're still new. You know, so now I get to say I'm the new senior minister. See, because I'm in that, I'm in that period there, that, that year. Uh, everywhere I go, the other day, Friday, I was at Walmart. I'm standing in line, I'm buying some groceries, and the lady in front of me is having a conversation with the cashier, and she goes, yeah, one day soon, when I get done with work, I'm just going to go and serve. I just love people, and I want to do things. I don't know how to get started. I was like, whoosh, <laughs> I was like ninja. A wham, stuck her in the arm with my business card. Uh, I said, hey. When you're ready, you give me a call. I know people. And she said, well, I may not be staying in Huntsville. I said, it's okay. I know people in Africa. I know people in, in, Hun- in Haiti. I said, I know people. And I said, and I will help you find places to serve. I said, you know, you call me. And she was like, that's awesome. We had a little, I'm paying for my groceries. The cashier says to me, hey, you know, I've got a bunch of stuff at my house. Clothes, like coats and, you know, things like that. Winter stuff, sweaters and stuff. And I was like, here you go. And I kind of knew her because I always try to find this one lady because she's really awesome and and she's really nice, which you don't find very often uh, when you're grocery shopping. But I I gave her my card and and I told her, I said, listen, if you've got stuff, I said, call me. I'm here just about every Friday. I'll come up and get them, you know, whatever. But just if people don't know who you are and they don't know who you stand for and who you serve, we're not doing our job. You don't need a business card. It it makes it easy if you want to make one up. You put your name on it, you know, Christ follower, whatever. And you can pass them out everywhere you go. But people need to know what we're about. They need to know what our face is set on. And and I hope that your face is not set on serving yourself. I hope your face is set on following out whatever it is that God's plan is in your life. That you will follow and go to that Jerusalem. So that you will resolve to consume as much food with sinners as possible. Don't let pride keep you from eating with sinners. Don't let religious piety keep you from eating with sinners. Don't let comfort keep you from eating with sinners. Don't let busyness keep you from eating with sinners. Don't let anything keep you from eating with sinners. Don't let anything keep you from seeking out what your Jerusalem is and going there. Set your face on your Jerusalem Don't let unwelcoming Samaritans or misguided disciples keep you from following God's plan and fulfilling your destiny. Sometimes churches get filled up with misguiding disciples. I don't want us to be that place. I don't want us to misguide each other. Oh, you don't have to do that. We can do God's work somewhere else. No, find your Jerusalem. Go after it. My face is set on reaching lost people for Jesus. It's why I'm here on this planet. It took me about 22 years to figure that out. So I understand there may be a learning curve for some of you, but it's why I'm here. It's why Jesus was sent to this earth. What is your face set on? Is it set on your Jerusalem? If it is, if you're thinking along those lines, don't let anything stop you. Winston Churchill said this. He said, there comes a special moment in everyone's life, a moment for which that person was born. That special opportunity when he seizes it will fulfill his mission a mission for which he is uniquely qualified. In that moment, he finds greatness. It is his finest hour. During World War II, England needed to increase its production of coal. Churchill called together all the labor leaders to enlist their support. At the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture a parade that he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. He said, first off, the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open are going to come marching down the street. He said, and then the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa would be following them down the street, people waving and hollering and and clapping. He says, then the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe from the sky would follow those guys. And he said, a picture behind all those military men, a long line of sweat stained, soot streaked men in their miners' caps. And he says, and someone from the crowd will probably yell, and where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 miners' throats would come the answer. We were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. And if Jesus asked, where were you during the critical days of my mission? I want to be able to answer. I was eating with sinners with my face towards Jerusalem. How about you? Remember Terry Fox from the beginning? The young man that lost his leg? He said this, somewhere the hurting must stop. And he says, I was determined to take myself to the limit for those causes. Brothers and sisters, somewhere, the spiritual hurting in our community must stop. I want to know if you are determined to take yourself to the limit for that cause. We are not the Savior, but we represent Him. And I hope that you'll choose to represent Him well. Maybe you're, you're on your maybe you are your own Jerusalem. Maybe you've got to get yourself out of the way before you can follow where God's leading you. Maybe before you can do any of the things I talked about today, you need to come up here and put that old self to rest through baptism. Maybe you need to just repent, rededicate yourself to what God is calling you to do. Sometimes we lose focus in this world. We get distracted by all the shiny things. Maybe it's just time to come up here and start over. But guys, somewhere the hurting must stop. And if we aren't resolute about doing God's will, Satan will be resolute about distracting us and keeping us from our Jerusalem and keeping us from doing God's will. As we sing our decision song today, I want you to think on those things. What is your face set on? What are you resolute about? What are you for sure gonna do this week that's gonna change somebody's life, that's gonna honor God, that's gonna make a difference? What is your face set on? Will you stand and sing with us?